we're prepping here uh, just prior to the programme. Good morning, everybody, and welcome along. Uh, for those of you just joining us, particularly good morning uh, for the gardening programme. And indeed, good morning to Pori Corkin. Good morning, Deirdre. How are you? You're I'm, welcome back. I missed you last week. Yes, well, busy, 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 as the fella good. says. We had uh, we had something that we had to take care of. and e- Exams uh, all over. Exams yeah. all good, over. Good, yeah, good. yeah. Thanks to God. So yeah. um, hard to believe. But there you go. After 20 years, we were back doing exams again. I tell you, it was a bit not? of a shock to the system, but uh, it was all good. They hopefully, anyway, at the end crossed. of the day, in case fingers any lecturers crossed. are listening, um, yeah, it, it's it, it was grand. So. Did you get a bit of gardening in? And then, Porrick, yes, indeed, I came back and uh, we closed the books because the kitchen table has been covered in books for the last uh, two months, I'd say. <laughs> and I went out and I said, you know what? The sun is kind of shining. We'll crank up the lawnmower and see does it work. And yes, it last did. Saturday, and yeah. uh, I yes, I mowed the lawn and actually it looked really good after yeah. we done it. Well, just as well because yeah. the week has been so well, wet. Absolutely, probably... it would be up to knee, my knee, I think, at this stage if I had <laughs> left it. But yeah, no, it was great. And I suppose really um, the effects of the uh, fertiliser and the Osmo and everything, you could really, really see it on yeah, this occasion. Yeah, because you applied it, what, back in four or five weeks ago? Actually, yeah, maybe even more than right. five, six back weeks March, possibly. Yeah, yeah this, back in March and when we weren't sure whether, you know, the weather was so cold, whether it would be working, working as yeah. well as uh, it could. But definitely, it has and uh, it, the, I have to say I don't think the, the lawn has looked as well good yeah, that's great in that's a good long news. long time so yeah, uh, it, yeah no. and that's, it's not because of all the TLC no actually can I just say I'm not that I'm not that person who would be out minding it all the time it got uh, it got just about the bare minimum of right. TLC and it was left to its so, own devices after that so the Osmo and, yeah so good, whatever happened good. happened you yeah. know yeah no it was great well, it's really good what's significant is the, the amount of growth that we've had in the last week, 10 days. I mm. mean, again, just looking around gardens in general, the amount of grass growth that's certainly there. The trees have come into leaf. The beach has come back into leaf. Uh, I think we had questions in last week. People were worrying that the beach hadn't broken leaf, their yeah. hedges. And, and funny enough, right through the week now, there's actually been some nice growth. Actually, I did plants. notice a couple of beach uh, hedging hedges around. I yeah. know they were a bit slow, but it is starting to it's break starting through definitely. To work. Yeah. yeah, and the temperatures, the rising temperatures, that bit of moisture as well is certainly kicking growth. I also noticed a lot of weed growth around so listeners just should keep an eye out for that uh, particularly clickweed is is actually gone out of flower and into seed already so it's okay. yeah very quickly within a fortnight it has just uh, and, no, and normally it takes how long for that to happen? Well, it, it, it does come into seed very, very quickly, but it has been so slow with through March and April. Uh, but in the last two weeks, there's just been that burst of growth and people will notice it, particularly particularly weed growth, uh, which it's kind of been sitting there. And yeah. just over the last 10 days on the, on your patio, on your driveway, you know, in through your shrub beds, you'll notice particularly the fast maturing uh, weeds like willow herb and clickweed, they just seem to have jumped out of the ground. Dandelions, of course, are flowering everywhere. They are in and, full uh, bloom, in even. Full bloom, <laughs> uh, which is great for the bees, I mm. must mention. Okay, it, it's good. very good for the bees because um, they've been having a very tough time uh, with the late flowering of many of the spring flowering plants. So the dandelions are a welcome bonus, believe it or not, uh, for, for certainly the beekeepers uh, because they're full of pollen, yeah. a very rich um, source okay. of pollen at this time of year. And, and anybody that has hives will actually see the yellow pollen of the dandelions being carried in by the bees um, over the last fortnight um, since they've come into flower. But certainly the growth has, has started. So the kind of things I would be advising listeners mm-hmm. to do is certainly the feeding of plants. The, the moisture levels are perfect. The growth is there at the moment. So if your hedges, which a lot of them are, they're looking a bit yellow, they're looking a bit, mm. you know, they they're, have come through quite a, a rough spring, uh, particularly plants like laurel, Portuguese laurel, common laurel, um, privet, 
golden and green privet has mm. lost a good bit of its leaf through the winter period. So a lot of those plants will respond well to a feed now. So putting on something like the Osmo Pro 6 or a tree and shrub feed, granulated feed applied to the base of plants now, will you'll see v- very quickly within a week, you'll see responding green rich growth right. um, from, from doing that. And plants need that at the moment. So generally evergreen plants, I was actually looking at some um, forest flame Pieris forest flame which is, is, has that lovely pink tinge to it mm. at this time of year they've all come into new growth but the older growth is very yellow on many plants um, particularly mature, mature plants and that's when you see yellowing and discolouring of the leaves particularly the older foliage it yeah. tends to plants sacrifice the older foliage for, for the, the benefit new. of the new oh, growth right. so the energy is is passing from the from the old growth into that young growth and that's why you're seeing yellowing in laurels and in, in uh, forest flames rhododendrons so all of those plants will benefit uh, at this time you're really at the right time of year um, you won't waste your fertiliser by getting it on now because the plants will absorb it very very quickly Okay. so feeding in general the feeding of roses the feeding of fruit trees uh, the feeding of hedges trees and shrubs in, in general anything you feel that needs a bit of a boost it's really good. This sort of weather, this weekend, would be mm. ideal for getting it on. And all the better if we get a couple of showers over the weekend so to wash it, that wash in. It down. Exactly. Um, the other thing that you can be doing is, obviously the weeds are, are going to be, and we'll probably get a plenty of questions in about weed control. I suspect, yeah. um, you know, again, generally for, for most, don't forget the hoe is probably one of the best ways of eliminating weeds. Um, and particularly when they're young at this stage, using a hoe, um, a good quality hoe will eradicate a lot of weeds within, within a, uh, half an hour or an hour. You'll scuffle a lot of them out. And particularly when the soil is moist at the moment, you'll you'll you scuffle them out very easily. If you are using weed killers, obviously be very careful. Make sure you read the packet. Mm-hmm. Most weed killers should be applied in dry weather with no wind drift. So it calm, dry weather. And make sure you buy something that's suitable for the, for the job. So be very careful in, in applying weed killers over the weekend. But do get out there and take control of the weeds because they are certainly beginning to produce seed, which is going to be the ne- next year's generation. So clean up the garden if you get an opportunity over the, the week because it's surprising how if left to another week, it just gets unmanageable. Yes. So, you know, I would advise people strongly to just have a walk around the garden and take control of the weeds in particular. Slugs, of course, are going to be a problem, particularly on hostas, uh, vegetable plants in general, this moist wet weather. They're just going to be out in abundance. So do watch for that. Put down some of the organic treatments. There's an organic pellet you can use. There's the liquid slug clear that you can use, which is very effective as well. And again, you know, it's preventing the problem. Yes. So just nipping it in the bud at this time of before year. Before they do Before they do damage. a lot of damage. Yeah. Yeah. Because plants emerging from the soil now can be very easily uh, damaged this time of year. And really the lawn is the other area that I'd advise people to, if you can at all, get out and mow the grass. Right, and even mow. though we've had, uh, I know some of the moisture is probably assisting the growth, but uh, we've had maybe an excess of moisture. We had. Uh, and I have to say, my own back garden now, glad I did cut it last weekend because it's quite watery at the yeah, moment. Yeah, well, if it is, if, if when you go onto the lawn that you're leaving marks in it, footprints or the lawnmower is leaving marks, then obviously, you know, stay off it for, for a couple of days. So just keep an eye on that. But any opportunity you get over the next seven to ten days, try to get out and get the lawn trimmed and mm. also get it fed. And uh, if you haven't used the Osmo... Um, moss remover, get that on. This is still a good time to apply that. And, you know, as you said yourself, the it'll kill the moss within a two-week period, but it gives a lovely greening effect as yeah, well. Yeah, it, it, it looks really lovely and green. So they're the sort of jobs. It, it's also still good planting weather. You mm. know, if, if listeners haven't put out their, um, their vegetable plants, it's still good, very good planting uh, conditions as long as you can work the soil. The other thing, the 
Potatoes, sea potatoes have been very scarce this year. Funny enough, and I can't just imagine where people have put them. Right. But they're, they're sold out everywhere. And I think it's I think it's probably due to... Is it a, due to popularity? Or? Well, it's due, I think, in the main due to... Potatoes are very expensive to buy in the shops at the moment. because the, They are, the actually. Right. I noticed I bought a bag of potatoes the other day. I couldn't believe it. And the, and the farmers are having a, a problem planting because of the wet season. Mm. The potato farmers are actually having a problem getting in this year's crop. So I think, and that's been on the media quite a bit. Yes. So certainly gardeners are, are back planting potatoes themselves. Um, we've got a new supply just in. So in, in the garden centre in Turlock, we we were able to source uh, a new batch of potatoes because we were sold out for the okay. last two and weeks. Are they particularly very... Var- There's a whole a range of varieties, varieties from, right. you know, um, from Sharps Express, which is a lovely early uh, new potato variety, right up to the main crop varieties. There's about eight or ten varieties available. Mm-hmm. They'll only be there for a couple of days. So if people were disappointed over the last fortnight. They're available now and mm-hmm. will be there for, for a couple of days. So And it's still good, very good planting weather for potatoes and right. vegetables in general. So get in over the weekend. That get would them be in, the advice. Yeah, come in over the weekend, mm-hmm. get them, um, because that's the end of them for, for this year. And, and you will find them very, very scarce. Okay. Very, very scarce. And you were saying that you've got some uh, Tidy Towns we events did, happening. Yeah, well, we, we had a great response to the uh, tours in, in the gardens and we've had a huge um, amount of, of different groups, retired teachers, all sorts of different groups. But one of the area, one of the groups that um, have contacted us in the last fortnight are the Tidy Towns Committee. So we decided to put on a special day for them and really just advise, advise them what to plant in terms of colour around the tidy towns, in terms of maintenance, in terms of weed control and how to keep the areas neat and tidy. Uh, We're putting on a special day in June. So it's June 13th. So any of the tidy towns, we have a couple of booked in at the moment, but anyone that would like to come along from a tidy towns committee, give the Garden Centre a ring on 0949031435 and leave your name and address and we'll get back to you and book you in for for June. So that's June 13th. It's a tidy towns specific day that we're going to have in the Garden Centre. So there'll be lots of hanging baskets and containers and uh, general weed control and just keeping areas maintained and how to prune back plants and that sort of general tidiness and colour adding colour to your community. So that's for community groups, June 13th. Book now, 09490314435. Leave your name and address and um, we'll get back to you. Excellent. Yeah, I'd say you could have a big uptake on that um, because there are lots of fantastic Tidy Towns committees and I have to say they just do Trojan work all together. But it's nice maybe to get tips sometimes on what will give you colour but maybe doesn't require groups to be out every couple of days weeding and maintaining. And we Um, are seeing a lot of the Tidy Towns are actually going to more perennial plants, more of the lupins and cottage garden plants. Westport would be a great example of that, of a Tidy Towns committee over the last three or four years. They've done some beautiful floral displays with using perennials, plants that come back uh, year after year, which is nice. It's different. Yes. It's not just your your big petunia. <laughs> in the, bit, the big hanging baskets yeah, in flower. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they're also beautiful, they're also of lovely. course. Yes. Uh, in case that is the way that certain groups are going <laughs> yeah. this year, but, but I suppose just to say that there are alternatives. Well, that, yeah, that doesn't mean cutting back on colour. No, and it yeah. lo- it's lovely to see the old cottage garden plants back in in vogue. I think. Fantastic. Okay, we're going to take a quick little break. We have uh, a great plethora of questions for want of a better description this morning. Um, by all means, you can add to them by texting us on 87 41, our text number, uh, with thanks to Brendan and all at C&C Cellular. And uh, Teresa is taking calls for us this morning on 0818-3055. We're back in a few moments. 
you're very welcome back. We have questions coming at us from all sides. We're going to turn our attention briefly to email first, if I can just pull across the PC here for a second, Boric. Uh, so we got an email from Pat during the week. Um, Pat tells us that he grew Savoy cabbage from seed. The first leaves showed six weeks ago. He still has them in the makeshift glass house and they four to five new leaves, but don't seem to be getting any bigger than three inches tall. He's wondering, should he plant them out as they are? Yeah, absolutely. Savoy, a great variety. It's got that uh, rougher texture, that kind of a curly texture, um, a really good variety. And it's actually a variety that you could actually sow new seed again now to mm. get a succession of of, um, of cutting right through the summer. And Savoy is actually a variety that's very good through the winter period. It's very tough, very hardy variety. So it's a good all year round variety. If you like that kind of uh, a more rougher, uh, curly, uh, ribbed type leaf of, of cabbage. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Plant them out of doors. He's done exactly the right thing. Sowing them inside in the greenhouse brings them on early. Once they're three to four inches high, that's the time to transplant them. And you want to space them at least eight to ten inches apart in rows. Firm them in when you're planting them and use a granulated feed. Something like Vitex Q4 is very good for cabbage plants. So rake that in before you plant. And the other trick with uh, seedlings is obviously to keep an eye on the slugs. So put on down a small bit of slug control for the okay. first couple of weeks uh, to keep those Savoy cabbages safe. But they're perfectly fine planted out of doors now. Fantastic. And, and seeds in general, if, if listeners have lettuce mm. and young onion seed and so on, once they're at that three to four inch stage, that's the time to get them back out into the garden and then sow some fresh seed so that you've got them coming on then later on. So sowing seed now, you'll have nice young plants in three to four weeks time. And obviously what you've planted out at this time of year has is beginning to mature, is beginning to come on. So you're, 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 you're making sure that continuous supply of vegetables right through the summer. So small enough and little enough. Little but enough. a good time, yeah, and soil conditions are fine at the moment for planting. Okay, hopefully you'll have nice, good, big heads of cabbage oh, yeah, it's before too variety. long. Yeah, yeah, it's a good, yeah. solid round That's head. That's the really green stuff. Really dark green yeah, outer leaves. Yeah, it's my favourite one, I have yeah, to say. And when you cut oh, it inside, yeah. it's, it's that brighter yellow. But yeah. a lovely, lovely variety. Lovely cabbage. Or, or if you want to plant something different, maybe go for a variety called Hispe as well, which is the cone-shaped mm. uh, cabbage, which again is a very fast maturing one, but it's it's that little bit um, so, softer. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's it's more yellowish. In, it cooks quickly, it. that one, I think. It does, actually, yeah. Yes, it does, yeah. yeah. It just needs a dip in the water. It there doesn't need to be left too That's long. The one. Now, um, somebody has a green hedge and they've mm. lost a lot of foliage with bits of new growth beginning to start on the tips. Okay. Uh, can you advise on a suitable fertiliser to give it and how far would you spread it out? Yeah, well, it's it's a classic symptoms of of the plant being hungry. As mm-hmm. I said, with the pieris and and the laurel, um, at the start of the program, where the yellowing and the dropping of foliage, particularly the oleo oleo foliage at the uh, expense of new growth, mm. that's a sign that the plant is hungry. So a good feed will actually sort that out. Uh, make sure there's no grass and weeds at the base of the hedge because you're only feeding those in the first instance. So get rid of those first of all, hold them out or take them out, and then put on your Osmo Pro Six. And if it's a mature hedge, keep the granulated feed at least a foot to 15 inches away from the hedge. Now if you can get it in front and back mm. of the hedge, access to front and back, then that's the ideal. Put some at the back of the hedge, right. put some at the front of the hedge. Generally about a handful or a handful and a half to each plant, to each plant. As, a, as a general rule. Right. Apply it this weekend and again you'll find uh, lots of new growth then within a week, 10 days. Okay. Um, and you know that the hedge will come back into growth fine. Fine again. It's just hungry, it's to be just, honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's and just it's starved. Just, I suppose the fact that we've had poor temperatures and maybe not as much sunshine, you don't have the photosynthesis taking that's place. That's the word. Yeah. That's the yeah. word. So you need to give them a boost and, and encourage them on. And the other thing with hedges in general, if you haven't trimmed them back, tipped them back, particularly that young growth, it, now is a good time to do that. Just tidy them back before they come into full growth. 
Okay. Somebody's got a small lawn and it's gone very bare. Lots of slugs at night and they're right, killing the grass. How to fi- how would you fix the problem? Um, and they're also wondering about the lawn seed you mentioned on last week's show where people have children and pets. Okay, well, mm-hmm. first of all, slugs will eat grass, believe it or not. I uh, was wondering, I was going <laughs> to say, that yeah, was, yeah. okay. And particularly in small. If in the absence of anything uh, more tempting, is Exactly. It? If, okay. if there isn't a lot of other vegetation in the garden, slugs aren't fussy, so they'll, they'll actually eat grass. And particularly in small lawns, particularly in towns and in, in, in uh, estates yeah. where you've just got grass in a very small area. Slugs can be actually quite damaging on grass, grass and leaving bare patches and they are nocturnal. They're out at night time feeding away and what, whatever's there. So a little bit of slug control will actually the slug liquid in this instance would be very good, uh, particularly if, if you've no vegetables or edible plants around. Simple container of slug liquid, make it up in a washing can or a sprayer, mm. apply it onto the grass and tonight, if you do it today, by tonight those slugs will would have died away. You may need to reseed the areas that are affected. So get yourself a little bit of uh, patch magic or one of the mixtures of, of seed and fertilizer. Apply that onto the surface and within two weeks the lawn will be back into good condition again. So that's your slug clear slug uh, liquid. Slug clear, yeah, slug yeah. clear, yeah, that's okay. it. What did I say? No, slug. just, yes, no, I, the, the, the slug liquid, but yes. <laughs> you correct me. <laughs> no, I'm not, God forbid. I wouldn't even dream of that. So slug clear, you're dead right. Slug clear. So okay. it's a liquid, it's, it's, it's also very good because it's invisible to children. Right. It's invisible to pets, to birds. So once you apply it, the slugs come out. And it's not harmful to anybody. It's not harmful to, no, once it's applied onto the surface of the soil, okay. it dries into the grass, apart from the slugs, of course. Yes, yeah, bar the slugs <laughs> yeah. for which it's designed. Yeah. Okay. yeah, but it's not to be used on edible, uh, you know, if you're if you're growing your lettuce or your right. cabbages, don't use slug clear because obviously you're eating the, the produce. It's fine for hostas or grass or area, you know, general ornamental plants that you want to protect from mm. slugs and snails. But if you have, if you've, I suppose if you have children or pets and they're out playing on the garden, well, that's, that's it. fine. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. fine, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Okay, lovely. Um, are the old potato variety King Edward still sold as seed? And I know you said that you'd gotten a new batch of seed in. Um, this person has grown them for many years with great success in their lovely eating type. They are, actually. They're, they're King Edward. They they're remind me a little bit of a, of a cur pink. They've got those... Um, uh, it's kind of a quite a, a yellowish potato with pink eyes, oh, quite distinctive, yes. and the flowers are actually purple. They're lovely, um, but yeah, no, King Edward's a real old variety. It's around hundred years, maybe more at this stage, one hundred and ten years, I would say. This, yeah, um, and uh, very good, very good flowery variety, very heavy cropper, disease resistant as well. It it doesn't uh, tend to get um, blight damage, and yet the seed is still available. So I mean, if if the listener calls in over the weekend, we certainly have some King, King Edwards, Edwards, I think, as well. Lovely, in the bad chance. So it's a very good. Very good variety. Great. Lots of black millipedes in somebody's greenhouse. Is this a problem? Well, millipedes in general don't do a lot of damage, to be honest. But if you've got seedlings, so if you've got young seedlings of vegetables or bedding plants, yes, millipedes will feed on those. Um, So you can use... The ant powders will control millipedes um, or get yourself a, a, an insecticide in the local garden centre and just apply it onto the seed trays and that will prevent the millipedes. But in general, they don't do a lot of damage. In greenhouses, they can if you've got small seedling type plants, then certainly they'll feed on those. But if you've got regular tomato plants or uh, bedding plants and they're good and strong, the millipedes will have little or no damage on mm. them. So it's really just seedlings you need to protect against the black millipede. Yeah. 
Okay, a listener would like uh, you, not us, I was going to say, you to talk about climbing roses. Uh, what would be the best type of climbing roses? Well, first of all, it's, it's a great time for planting roses in general. I mean, you're, you're coming in, into the, the growing season and even climbing roses will flower this year by planting them now. Lots of great varieties. You've got the old rambling rose, which are the Excels and Dorothy Perkins, which have got the small cottage garden type flowers. And they're ideal, say, for scrambling over an archway or a, or a, a fence or an area you just want to let them loose and and let them off. Um, And they've got those small, dainty-like flowers. Mm. Um, The more regular climbing roses then, like Galway Bay, Golden Showers. um, There's there's lots of really uh, dance to few. There's a lovely red one. Go to your local garden centre, to be honest. This is the time of year that they'll have the best selection of climbing roses in. Um, Prepare the soil well. Add in some organic matter or some uh, compost when you're planting. Add in some fertiliser as well, something like Sudden Impact because remember, you're buying a plant that might be only two feet high. You're expecting it to grow anything up to six feet this year. So feed it well, nourish it well, feed it about once a month and treat it like you would a normal rose. Do apply some of the rose clear onto the plant during the growing season to keep it clean from pests and diseases. And the other thing I'd advise is putting in some other summer flowering climbers with the rose. So something like... um, some of the clematis or honeysuckles work very well with um, roses or sweet pea would be lovely to add in at this time of year to give an extra boost of colour during the summer season. So it's a really good time to plant climbing roses. Prepare the soil well. Remember, you're going to have a plant that's going to be with you for probably the next 20 years. And there's lots of really good varieties. Golden showers is a nice bright yellow. Galway Bay is a pink. Dance to few is a red. And there's loads and loads. Albertine is another really good one. Um, so depending where the listener actually wants it to grow, so because they do vary in their vigour. Right. So Albertine <clears throat> is a very showy pink variety, but mm-hmm. it's a very vigorous variety, so it's not suitable for a small trellis area. You know, go for something a little bit less vigorous. Right. So depending on wh- what the location is, select the variety and the vigour to suit. Uh, but a really good time to plant. Climbers in general and roses in particular would be good time good to time. get them in. Okay, yeah. And you'll get some flower this year from them. Excellent, excellent. Um, We do have a number of potato questions, so I'm going to dip it in and out of them as as they come at me. Um, What type of potatoes, a listener would like to know, can they grow that are not affected by eelworm? It's a big problem on their carpinks last summer, and they're wondering, would you have any cure for it? Okay, Uh, so eelworm. Well, first of all, eelworm eelworm is a a microscopic... Worm, right, or, and and uh, eelworm. It's called eelworm because it's it, it it's. It, so you uh, see the damage rather than the worm. Then you do, is that it? and you need to you need to, to to see the actual pest itself. You need to um, examine it through a magnifying glass. Right. Um, but the the characteristic telltale signs are small cysts that come on the potato roots in the autumn time. So when you're digging them out in the autumn, and obviously this listener spotted this mm-hmm. uh, in the in the autumn, that you'll see small little cysts on the roots, small little. Uh, round cysts on the roots of the plant and that's a sign that eelworm is in the ground. You'll also, generally the symptoms are yellowing of the foliage during the growing season um, and just the plants become stunted because the worms are actually taking the energy out of the plant. Uh, There are, first of all, you can use something like the super nemos, the uh, natural uh, predators that will feed on a soil-borne pest like wireworm, like uh, in this instance eelworm. So that can be applied to the area. Crop rotation is important that you're not growing potatoes on the same piece of ground year after year. But also go for varieties that are eelworm resistant. So there are a few like Saxon, Bonnie, um, uh, what else? Uh, Maris Piper is another good one. So there are three varieties, Bonnie, Maris Piper and Saxon that are actually eelworm 
resistant. resistant. And if you grow those, then you'll have very little problems with... But crop rotation, if you're moving the crops around, mm. that tends to avoid it. And if it is a problem, the super nemos will... We'll will, see them will off. kill off exactly because they do, the eelworm can live up to it's a bit like the wireworm it can live for three to four years okay in the soil right so it can it, it, if it's not treated really it's going to recur it is yeah it is yeah. it is and it it actually just affects potatoes and are there particular varieties that it is well the curb the curb obviously yeah, very susceptible one, yeah yeah I mean you want to if you if you have eelworm in the garden ask for eelworm resistant varieties there are a collection. And there's three there that I can think of at the top of my head, but there are a range of, of different varieties that are either one resistant. So look for those. Okay. Now, Tommy has sent in a text spark and he tells us, well, he's kind of two bits, actually. We'll give you the good news first. He's, all right, go to tell Porik that the Osmo has worked magic on his lawn, oh, first of all. That's good news. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also would like advice on putting bedding plants out now. He's wondering, can he do this at this stage? I would be just a little hesitant at the moment. It's very cold at the moment. You know, it depends what the bedding plants are. If they're hardy things like pansies and violas and nasturtiums and sweet peas that are kind of hardy annuals that will tolerate a little bit of wind and hardship, then they're fine to go out. But to be honest, the temperatures are, I would wait for at least another week to 10 days if you can at all. So if keep them protected um, in a greenhouse, in a tunnel or in a nice sheltered sunny part of your garden. Um, so to be honest, I don't think there's going to be anything gained by planting them out just yet. It's too cold. It's too because the temperatures just aren't warm enough for bedding plants. Um, if it's doing up your hanging baskets and containers, mm. yes, go ahead by head by all means and put them in a nice sheltered, protected area right. and they'll continue to grow on. But certainly the traditional bedding plants like marigolds, petunias, salvias, they're all sensitive to the cold conditions and, and they'll, they'll actually go back a bit if exposed to that. So I would wait. You, you're, the plants will actually catch up. If you plant them in the first week of June, they'll actually plant catch up on things that you planted this time of year, right. particularly with the conditions we're getting at the moment. So, okay. you know, if next weekend is, is warmer, mm -hmm. brighter, mm -hmm. then by all means, go ahead and start planting out. But it's still too cold for bedding plants, in my view, That's to enough. get them out. Okay. Uh, raised beds. Uh, there's raised beds full of weeds after this. A listener has dug them and raked the soil two weeks ago. Okay. They're ready, though, for to sow plants and vegetable seeds, so they're wondering what can they use to kill the weeds? Well, it just shows you the growth in yeah. the two weeks. Two weeks. They've obviously got a flush of, yeah. of new weeds. Um, so, Again, you can lightly hold the bed or else use something like um, the Weed weed Free 360, which is a, a weed killer that when, once it's applied onto the foliage of the seedlings, will kill those weeds without contaminating the soil. It'll take about three to four days for that to work. Again, you need a dry day to apply it. You simply apply it through a sprayer or a watering can onto the foliage of the young seedlings. That kills them off. It doesn't contaminate the soil. And you can go ahead and plant your vegetables or potatoes or whatever you want to put in. Or else just lightly hold the top of the surface of the soil um, and, and get rid of them that way. Okay. A listener has got the Jostaberry fruit bush in... Uh, oh, she's, they're wondering, sorry, have you got the Jostaberry fruit bush in any of the garden centres? Yeah, is, is it hard to grow? What's no, no, Jostaberry fruit Jostaberry is a cross. It's a cross between... Uh, two different fruiting plants. Um, lovely, lovely fruit. Unusual yeah. type of fruit. Um, but very high in vitamin C. Okay. And it grows very similar to a gooseberry bush. That type right. of a, a plant. Easy to grow. Um, it should be available in the garden centres. Off the top of my head, I, do, I don't okay. know. But uh, so it should know. be available this time of year. Certainly if we haven't got it in, we'll get it in for the listener. And uh, planting it now, you'll have fruit within two years. Okay.
great stuff. Jostabri, I'll have to look that up. Um, i bring you one in. You, well, you could do that either, indeed. <laughs> uh, and just before we go to the break, um, uh, just a question regarding Osmo um, fertiliser and moss treatment. They put it on two weeks ago. The, uh, the listener is wondering, can they cut the lawn now? Oh, absolutely. Two yeah. weeks, yeah, yeah, no problem whatsoever. And again, wait until obviously the, the weather conditions allow you to do it, but by all means, it'll have washed in at this stage. Go out and get the grass trimmed. Okay, lovely. We want to take a very quick break. We're back with lots more, though. Stay with us. Okay, you're very welcome back. Now, here's a question from Mary in Sligo for you, Porik. Mm-hmm. Uh, variegated poplar tree. Right. Uh, the roots are growing on top and a few branches around the tree. Uh, she's wondering, should she cover them with compost? Um, it's probably too shallow as she weeds them with a hoe um, and they have she hasn't put the soil back so I guess she's trying to cover the, the roots yeah, and, yeah and variegated poplar it's it's uh, in, in the poplar family poplar mm. tree family mm. it's got that nice variegated foliage during the, the summer months um, but they are surface rooting a bit like cherries and you'll often see the the, the ste- or the roots of the plants coming right up onto the surface and creating new shoots around the base of the plant and this is obviously what's happening so the answer is yes you can cover if you want just to, to hide the roots you can certainly cover. There's no need unless Mary wants to do it. Mm. Um, You can just leave the roots uh, exposed to the surface and then any branches that start to come off the roots, just prune those away. Just trim them away. Otherwise it'll start to spread out into the lawn area. So there's no great need to cover the roots unless you want to just from aesthetically, you want to just have a nice clean soil around the base of the the poplar tree and that can be done at this time of year. Get yourself some John Innes compost Mm -hmm. or some good uh, loam soil and just cover the, the roots by two or three inches and they'll be perfectly okay. Excellent. So, but, but there's no need to do it. and it's, it's more an aesthetic thing than anything else. The plant won't be damaged by having its roots close to the surface because that's the way poplars grow. grow. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, prune it back though. Uh, prune prune back the poplar. If, if listeners have poplars in their garden, mm-hmm. they respond to pruning very well and you get nicer colour if you prune the plants back quite hard. Okay. So, you know, like a, not, you know, don't cut them to ground mm. level, but certainly you can be taking, depending on the size of the plant, anything up to two or three feet off the poplar plant and that encourages new growth and lots of new colour as well. Poplars are the ones that grow really tall, aren't well, they? Well, the, in they this, in, Yes, they are. There are loads of different varieties oh, okay. of them, but this particular instance is a variegated poplar, right. which has got that, it's kind of got pink and white oh, and green leaves. Lovely. Yeah, um, but, but it does respond to pruning and as if they're not pruned, then they tend to get more green and less variegated colour. So it is a plant that responds well to cutting back and it's not too late to, to prune it even now. Excellent. Uh, a listener has green mossy growth on their terracotta pots and they're wondering, would you have any advice on what to use to clean it before they plant them up with bedding flowers? Well, believe it or not, some people put yogurt onto their terracotta pots to encourage moss. Oh, to give it that distressed, <laughs> that rustic, that yeah, distressed yeah, look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so obviously this person wants the... <laughs> what do they call it? Shabby chic. So to, to get rid of it, you can simply just use um, the patio magic would be good, yeah. uh, which is normally used to kill moss on tarmacadam and slates and tiles. So a little application of patio magic onto the pots. The moss will be dead within seven or eight days. Just clean them off, give them a little bit of a power wash maybe, and that will remove any moss. Um, and, and moss tends to grow on terracotta because it's porous yes. and because you're feeding the plants during the summer months that nutrition is coming out to the edges like putting yogurt on the on the surface, surface. It, the bacteria it, the, 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 the yeah, moss it, likes it that encourages the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the growth of yeah, the culture yeah. so, isn't that it? Exactly, so terracotta you'll always get that sort of algae or mossy growth uh, particularly if you're feeding and watering the plants well just say it's shabby chic. Don't, don't be worrying yeah, about yeah, it too yeah, much. Exactly. Um, now, what would somebody feed Lalandii with? Well, again, Lalandii um, 
I would use the Osmo Pro 6 or a granulated feed. You know, don't don't feed them too much because Lelandia by their nature are very vigorous. So unless they're if they're growing well and they're they're looking good, leave them alone would be my advice. I don't think they actually need a feed. If they're struggling, yes, and they're a bit yellow, then by all means put on the Osmo Pro 6 or a tree and shrub feed. But make sure there's no weeds and grass at the base of the Leyland hedge because they're just going to thrive first in the first instance. But generally speaking, Leylandii don't require feeding because they're vigorous enough in their own right. Okay. So if they're green and healthy, leave alone. Leave alone. If they're struggling and certainly yellowing or whatever then by all means give them a feed okay but if you feed them too much and exactly just, yeah they're, you'd have, they're you'd have the other problem yeah the golden version will put on 18 to 18 inches two feet per year and the green often up to three feet per year so they are very vigorous and uh, don't necessarily need to be fed lovely chinese lantern three yeah, years old plant. leaves very pale not looking very healthy yes yeah, the crinodendron it's an evergreen shrub and mm-hmm. of course like most evergreen shrubs it's come through the the, the winter and, and the cold spring so I'm not surprised it's probably looking a little sad again it's just down to really feeding it Deirdre crinodendrons are they're a beautiful fuchsia like flowers oh, okay. uh, in, in they're just coming into flower actually at this time of year um, so a good feed uh, you could use actually they do like a slightly acid soil so you could use a rhododendron feed um, a rhododendron azalea granulated feed mm-hmm. around the base of the the crinodendron and the little flower buds you should be they should be there on the on the plant at the moment um, even with the leaves a bit scorched and damaged and and the fertilizer will help the the flowers to come into bloom as well so evergreen plants in general like crinodendron the Chinese lantern rhododendrons the forest flame laurels they all will all benefit from a feed at this time of year. Whereas many of the deciduous plants that like fuchsias, mm. you know, because they don't have foliage for the winter, they don't get the weather damage and, and you know, they're, they're not... They're not a scorch no, looking. they're dormant, they're, they're asleep. Bringing, they're bringing new growth. Exactly, yeah. they're coming into, exactly, like a rose bush is coming into a flush of new growth. Whereas the old, the evergreen plants have to have suffered the winter type of thing. And, yes, and uh, then it's very obvious if they it have. It is, yeah. it is, yeah. So a, a good feed, um, the Osmo Pro 6 or a, a rhododendron feed in this instance would be very good or something like sudden impact would be good granulated feed on the crinodendron will bring it back into life and feed it again maybe in five or six, you know, weeks time mm. to build it up mm. through the summer months in preparation for winter. Lovely. Cherry blossoms with no flowers. <laughs> Why is this? It might be it would have been the wind. Know. Well, I mean, cherries cherries, and most... They've been slow to come into flower though this year. They have been slow. I'll give you that. Yeah. But they're actually flowering very, very well. Yeah. And, and most spring flowering plants I think I said this a couple of weeks in the programme are actually... I'm, I'm, where was I? I was somewhere up the country and I was, I was admiring the gorse this year. Actually, I noticed myself coming around the corner the other day and it was in full lovely, lovely. buttercup yellow. Beautiful, yeah, beautiful. covered mm. in flowers. So, spring flowering plants in general have are doing very well. Magnolias, I was admiring magnolias uh, during the, the week. Beautiful, covered in flowers, which I didn't expect this year. I thought that we'd have actually a poor spring because of the very the cold, uh, cold and the wet the West, autumn yeah. as well. But, but uh, so, in this instance, it's a most unusual that right. the plant hasn't come into flower. Cherries produce their flower buds in the previous summer. So they actually produce their flower buds in August, September to come and then they come into flower in the spring. Oh. Same with apple trees that produce their flower buds in the autumn. So generally if they're growing well in the autumn, mm. they that's when they initiate their flower buds. So what the, the listener, no matter what you do this year, you're not going to get any blooms on this cherry. Mm. Uh, there's no magic cure for this one. But do prepare it for next 
spring. Right. And you do that by put, putting on a high potash feed. So something like a rose fertilizer would be very good to use. So again, the sudden impact feed would be good or a good high potash feed, so a good rose feed around the base of the uh, cherry applied now and repeated then during the summer months will help that plant to come into bloom next year. spring. So high potash feed. High potash feed, okay. yeah. yeah. Is it too late to sow organic runner beans? No, no, runner beans both the organic and the regular can still be sown. I would start them off indoors if possible on a seed tray. They're, and they're great for kids because they're quite a large bean. So they're very visible to sow and they germinate very rapidly. So put them on a wind, warm windowsill, cover them with cling film. They'll germinate within 10 days. And then they grow so quick, runner beans, so that they lip out of the ground. Oh. Um, and uh, so, and, and they'll grow up on, you know, say a... a a teepee made out of bamboo canes or yeah they'll need some support but they'll grow anything up to six or seven eight feet if you if you let them um so a good time to sow them sow them indoors transplant them out then they are frost sensitive so i wouldn't plant them out till about the middle of june first or second week of june um and they'll produce runner beans by august september of this year lovely so no problem whatsoever the plants are probably actually available as well now that I think of it runner beans plants are actually available in the garden centres at the moment so you could do a bit of both if you wish plant the plants sow some seed and and get the kids involved lovely yummy runner beans and they're lovely they're actually lovely in flower you know, there's a whole load Those of different varieties uh, with different coloured flowers. So they're very so decorative as well. As well as yeah. as, as, yeah. as yummy. Yeah. Uh, any tips on how to avoid all le- the lettuce and salad leaves coming ready together? Uh, this person had a lot of waste last year. Any good types to plant or sow now? Well, again, it, you know, I suppose it's just back to um, little and often. Yeah. Um, but I, I saw a nice, actually, tip um, for planting lettuce plants where if you grow there's so many different varieties. You've got the oak leaf lettuce, the Laura Rossa. You've got Little Gem, which is a lovely variety, the Iceberg varieties. If you sow seed of different varieties, but when you're planting them, transplanting them, put diff- two different seedlings into the one planting hole. Right. Does that make sense? And you get two... Good- you get two different heads then growing right. as one head, which means that when you come to cut the, the lettuce... Yeah. for use. You've got two different varieties. So it's a bit like a salad bag uh, exactly. in the ground. It's like, exactly. And the the fact that you've put the two seedlings in together, they'll actually only grow to the size of one normal lettuce head. Uh-huh. So you're, you're cutting down on the waste. Yes. You're getting a bit of variety in, in, in the two in heads. The two heads yeah. So if you sow, say, a seed of Laura Rossa and Little Gem, then when you're transplanting them out, put the two seedlings in together into the planting hole and they'll form as one. They'll grow in competition to one another, but they'll form as one head. And so that you've got nice red, the red foliage of the Laura Rossa mm-hmm. and you've got the green from the Little Gem or it could be oak leaf, which is a lovely red variety. So put two seedlings in together, they'll form one head and um, it just gives you that bit of variety and you're cutting down on the waste as well. But sowing little and often really is the trick. So go to your local garden centre, buy some plants at this time of year because they're all available, mm-hmm. but sow some seed at the same time. Small, little and often is, is the trick to um, rather, rather than to prevent it all because yeah, yeah. everything coming together yeah, and the best yeah. will in the world we'll, you'll always produce more than you'll ever use now remember as well that it, you can freeze quite a lot of or it or you can give it to your neighbours and friends you can give it to your neighbours and friends exactly <laughs> or things like I'm always ca- happy to get something <laughs> things like cabbage you can blanch you can you know yeah. harvest, blanch, freeze, freeze and use through the, mm. the winter period as well yeah. So no need to throw it away. Now, we've got a text from Mary in Leitrim. Um, just wondering um, if you have ride-on lawnmowers and push mowers. We do, yeah. yeah. We do a range of, of so lawnmowers in, con- the gar- con- in, in the garden centre in Turlock. Right. Contact in the garden centre, so Mary, yeah. just yeah. in relation to that. Um, 
Good morning. Good morning to the person who says good morning. I'm going to plant tomatoes in my tunnel in big buckets. What would you recommend? Soil or compost or a mixture? Um, and would you have suggestions, I guess, for plants? Right. Well, it's a, it's a, I think we I talked about this last oh, week okay. in terms of somebody asked about grow bags versus mm. pots. And pots are generally a better option, in my view, because they don't dry out as quickly and they're easier to water, they're easier to feed and so on. So you want a tub that's roughly about 18 inches in diameter mm-hmm. by about 18 inches in height. That sort of volume for your, your typical tomato plant. Around that as well, you've got space to grow things like basil or some lettuce plants or whatever to grow around the base of of the tomato plant. So one tomato plant in that size of pot. My advice is to use a good quality compost, a John Ennis compost, because bringing soil in, you're not sure are you bringing in any pests and diseases, bringing in weeds and and also the quality of the topsoil. So you really want the best for for that tomato plant. So my advice is to use a John Ennis-based compost, which is a soil-based compost. Plant in one tomato plant. Go for the grafted varieties if you can get them because they're more vigorous. Uh, They're faster growing and they tend to produce longer trusses and heavier trusses of fruit. I find them really, really good. So look for the grafted tomato plants. They'll be a little bit more expensive than your regular tomato plant, but but only by a euro or two. And and probably give you an awful lot better value. Um, And good vigorous, they're a good vigorous variety. And around the base of them, sow some basil seed or some lettuce plants as well, uh, because the, the tomatoes tend to use you know, grow, they, they need the space from about a foot upwards. So mm. you can use that space around the base of the pot to grow other plants. And basil is a great uh, option to mix with tomatoes. The two tend to go very well they together. They do indeed. They? they do indeed. <laughs> now, and Alice, a good time to plant tomatoes. Yeah, okay. And make sure the pots have drainage in them. Right. That's critical. That's you know, it so seems a simple thing, but funny enough, people will often, you know, so that the roots aren't sitting that the, in Yeah, the that they've got good drainage. That's important. The other thing I would say is don't fill the compost right up to the very top of the pot. Leave yourself a well of about two inches for okay. watering because tomatoes in particular, during the growing season, particularly when they're producing fruit, need copious amounts of water. You right. cannot overwash them from July, August onwards. They need literally nearly daily watering or certainly every second day. So leave yourself that little reservoir that when you pour in the, the water, you've got it's sitting waiting to go to dribble down. Okay. Um, Sweet peas, which this uh, listener sowed from seed indoors. They're eight inches high now. Should they plant them out into the garden in this weather or keep indoors? No, no, no. Sweet peas are are frost hardy. They're a hardy annual, as we call them, and they can be planted out of doors this time of year. The one tip I'd say, they're eight inches high, so tip them back, which means take the shoot, the top shoot on each sweet pea plant, Mm. remove that with a scissors or which are index and thumb, thumb, just literally pinch them out and the other thing that sweet pea remember they're, they're eight inches high they're, they're mm-hmm. probably the, the Spencer varieties which grow to about seven or eight feet in height so put in some good organic matter when you're planting them so dig a trench put in some composted manure you can buy it in bags spill that into the trench backfill with your regular soil and plant the sweet peas about a foot apart wash them for slugs for the first couple of weeks until they get going and they will need some support so they'll need some trellis work some wire something for them to grab onto and scramble up through the the trellis and it's as simple as that and you get cut flowers from July right through till October, November Okay, that lovely delicate scent to Ah, go along with them Ah, they're beautiful sweet peas Beautiful altogether Um, 
somebody, uh, Rachel, or sorry, Carmel, good morning, is wondering if, if the rose Rachel is to be got at the moment. Yeah, it's we're coming to that time of year for, for Rachel Rose. I featured it last year on both mm. on TV3 and I think here on the programme. Um, it's a beautiful variety, uh, apricot, orange colour, highly scented um, and a very nice rose. It grows uh, to, 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 you know, about two and a half to three feet in height. So a really good variety. Yeah, it's coming to that time of year. Are they in the garden centres yet? I'm not sure, okay. to be honest. But if you give the garden centres a call, but certainly um, by the first week of June, Rachel will okay. certainly be available. It's a good time to plant it and it will flower this year. Okay, I'm going to conclude on this comment on. and then I'm going to, to let you remind people about uh, the Tidy Towns uh, gatherings that you have. So just uh, this listener texts in uh, and says, Porik, I follow your lessons with Deirdre and the lime and the Osmo treatment. Eureka! I have the best lawns ever. Well Great. worth the effort. Thank That's you so fantastic. much. So there good. you go. Yeah. It's good to hear it's working. It's nice to hear from the listeners that when things... Absolutely, yeah. It's great when you hear the, the positive stuff well, as well as... telling them all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as well as the problems. So a couple of reminders. Mm-hmm. So we have the... For the Tidy Towns committees, those that are interested in coming to the Garden Centre for a special day we're having for Tidy Towns groups. That's June 13th. You need to read in the Garden Centre, which is 09490 Leave your name and address. We'll get back to you and book you in for that, that special day. So it's really for Tidy Towns that are looking to add colour okay. and maintain their... Their, their, their uh, communities and also just to remind people the that potatoes. the potatoes are back in so anybody that has been disappointed the last couple of weeks come in this weekend because when they're gone they're, they're gone. gone okay what well, they say? we're gone for we're the gone. moment yeah. I'm afraid on until that note week. until next week uh, have yourselves a wonderful weekend thanks for all the comments and questions and indeed for listening as well uh, we'll be back all going well next Saturday for me just after 7 and we'll be gardening again directly after 9 until then stand by uh, Michael Neary up after the news which is on the way with Angelina Nugent for me for the moment good morning